Welcome back, bosses of the Midnight Motivation Mob, and welcome to all new listeners. I appreciate each and every single one of you all for dedicating your time to listening on in. Midnight Motivation is a real and raw podcast about motivation, achieving success, entrepreneurship, and becoming the best version of you. And I'm your host, Tony Peck. Welcome back, Midnight Motivation Mob. And today, for the first time in Midnight Motivation's history, I have two special guests with me live. They have over 70 real estate brokerage franchises across America, mostly in New York City, owners of 40-plus multifamily buildings throughout New York City, the best-selling author of The Heart of the Deal, How to Negotiate Like a Real Estate Mogul, founded the second largest real estate school in New York City, trained and licensed over 40,000 people in real estate, starting a new venture called Lolly Brands Signature Properties, are speakers, devout philanthropists, entrepreneurs, developers, and budding adult films. I have with me, ladies and gentlemen, founder and CEO, Anthony Lolly and his partner, Carlos Angelucci. Anthony Lolly has been kind enough to host an exclusive book giveaway for members of the Midnight Motivation Mob. We're going to be giving away three signed copies of his book, The Heart of the Deal. To enter, the day this episode is dropped, I and Anthony will have a post together on each of our Instagrams. All you need to do is follow me, Tony Peck underscore, and Anthony Lolly at Anthony Lolly. The links will be below in the description. Comment hashtag heart of the deal and tag three friends. You can comment and tag on either mine or Anthony Lolly's post, but if you do it on both, you have double the chance to win. This giveaway will be open for entry for three weeks, so it will close on August 1st. Good luck and make sure to enter. What is up, guys? What's going on? What's going on? Thank you for having us. Listen, guys, I appreciate you taking time out of your jam-packed schedule to be on this podcast with me, so thank you. You're welcome. Love it. So let's get into it. Anthony, I'm going to start with you. I got questions for both of you. This is fantastic having both of you on here. I really appreciate it. But let's just jump right into you, Anthony. By age 19, you jumped into real estate. You took over the Brooklyn rental market. You became a millionaire by 23. Your journey has been everything but easy. You were young starting in real estate back then, which was not the norm. How did you do it? What's your story, man? Just tell us about you. How'd you get started? Well, I, it, it started when I was 19. I took a real estate crash course. Uh, and inside the real estate school, I was determined to not just be a regular real estate agent. I was determined to succeed in real estate uh, by any means possible. And, you know, they say your network is your net worth. And when you get your real estate license, you're able to immediately have a network of influential people, landlords, developers, building owners, property managers, people that are actually movers and shakers of the industry. So right off the bat, I was uh, right off the bat, I had the ability to uh, to tap into that wisdom and knowledge. But, you know, the determination came a lot earlier than when I was 19. It actually came about in a childhood incident I had where I realized we were poor and we didn't have money and I was going to change my family tree. So I chose real estate to be that avenue to do that when I was of age. Awesome. So, Anthony, how did you and Carlos meet? What's the story behind you two? Well, Carlos, you want to take that one? Uh, sure, I guess. So uh, Anthony and I met because uh, at one point when he had a real estate school, it grew into, like you mentioned earlier, the second largest real estate school in New York. Uh, but before getting to that point, as he was growing the business, he had put out an ad for uh, searching for a real estate school instructor. Now, he, he just put the ad out for someone that had some sort of teaching experience and background. And the person that replied to the ad was someone who uh, ended up taking the position, ended up helping him run the school, did so well that he was impressed with them, 
and then uh, ask them if there was anyone else that they could refer him to or could recommend that could help him on his real estate uh, brokerage side of the business. Turns out that person was my sister. And it was my older sister who initially uh, came across this ad that she met Anthony. And then she introduced me to him. And then uh, at some point, in, uh, he recruited my other sister to help him run the, 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 the phone. Because what was happening was he had a big, huge billboard campaign. There was radio. Uh, there was uh, a street team uh, and billboards everywhere that were causing the phones to ring off the hook for this real estate school and this real estate course that he was offering. So he, he needed someone to, to kind of help with those sales calls. And my other sister came along and did it. Now I had two sisters in the business, both of them telling me, you should meet this guy. He's going places. We like him. Uh, he's very good. And at the time I was in sales, but I was in retail management. So I was already kind of set in what I was doing. But uh, after I met him, I kind of felt like, you know, this something's going on here. I feel like his trajectory is too good. And I'd like to kind of, come along for the ride if I could. And it took a while, but eventually through like Chinese water torture and psychological impacting, he recruited me. He was able to uh, pry me away from what I had going on, which was a promising career running multiple locations. I was at the district manager level at some big, uh, uh, some of the bigger, uh, one of the biggest companies in the country. Uh, and I was the youngest person in my, in that, in that position. I was only 21 at the time. And then uh, eventually I just jumped on board and, and, and the rest is history. We actually uh, have a chapter uh, in the book when we do our public speaking. Uh, we have a section of our speaking. It's, you know, Steve Jobs had uh, Steve Wozniak as his right-hand guy. Uh, and so uh, I dedicated a chapter that talks about how we met in the heart of the deal. and calls my Woz. And we do speaking engagements. We talk about uh, healthy partnerships and how to find your Woz and and how to achieve success, but, you know, uh, not on your own, but having the right team, having the right, right-hand right man. How did you know Carlos was the right guy for you to be a right-hand man? You were already doing pretty well. What way did you, like, pick Carlos? And, Carlos, why did you just go so deep with Anthony, you know? Like, you've been around for so long now. Let me, I'll let him finish it, but let me just start it. So, because one thing I skipped over was once I got hired, I got hired as a real estate salesperson. So, all I did was learn how to be a rental agent showing apartments in New York City. I didn't come in as a partner or as a COO. In fact, he ignored me. It was the opposite. After all the heavy recruiting, all of a sudden I was just, you know. Uh, you started to prove yourself. I came to the hard realization that I was just a salesperson. And then uh, good luck getting his attention at that point, you know. <laughs> so, Anthony, you did all this stuff to get him there just to make him be a real estate salesperson? Yeah. <laughs> initially, initially. But what are you saying? No, he rose through the ranks and through the ranks, uh, he, uh, every aspect of the business, you know, he proved, he proved himself, uh, by virtue of his hard work, his determination, his ethics, uh, and just the fact that he was able to keep up and outwork everybody, just the talent and the hard work combination just alone. Uh, he was able to kind of make his own lane. And, and, and enforce his mark in, in the organization. So I like that you said that talent and hard work right there. I want to know from both you individually, what are the three biggest factors or character traits you think that you can both attribute to your success and what all people wanting success need to have and embody? I think one of the main uh, attributes you have to have is to be research-oriented. You have to be able to research your industry. 
Uh, you know, right now you have a very powerful tool in your pocket. You know, you can Google and look at videos and websites and links and Instagram and hashtags and uh, vlogs and blogs, and you can do all of that stuff. So you have to kind of know where your competition is, where it was, where it's going, not only your competitors, but also businesses that have failed. So I think one important component is to be research oriented. The other component is to learn how to deal with failures and rejections. Um, you don't treat your incidents like disasters and you treat your disasters like incidences. So you have to be able to have that, have thick skin. Uh, and then also you have to be able to constantly set goals and also do what, what people are doing now, which is educate yourself. Listening to podcasts like yours are very, very important because not only are they going to be exposed to entrepreneurs, but because of social media, take, for example, somebody like myself and Carlos, you know, you can study a day in the life of, right? We have Instagram. We do Instagram stories. We're constantly posting on Facebook so people can kind of reach out to us, direct message us, and, and really get involved in, and be in our worlds. And I think I speak for a lot of entrepreneurs that are very transparent. And so now you have access where you didn't have access before. So there's no excuse. And number three. <laughs> uh, well, that was three, but I will tell you, oh, not, maybe that was uh, That's two. <laughs> two part one, two, two B. I guess number three is um, it's very important. It's, it's who you know, what you know, but also who knows you. You know, you can know who Jay-Z is or Warren Buffett, but if they don't know you, it's meaningless, right? Mm -hmm. like so that. you have to be able to provide value to entrepreneurs. So in a prime example is yourself, Tony. You know, you took the initiative to reach out to me, to come out and meet with me. And now I'm on your podcast, yeah. you know, and then one of my team members also met you at a construction site about, you know, referring some business to you. Yep. So the fact that, you know, you miss every shot you don't take, exactly. but you took a shot and you came out there and you sent me messages like, hey, you got to have a Maserati on your squad. And I responded <laughs> and I said, I have a Maserati, but I like your Maserati. But, you know, it takes guts. It takes, mm -hmm. you know, the ability to, uh, to then you'd be surprised. I like to test people all the time on Instagram. I went back and forth with one guy today on Instagram. I inboxed him. He posted a picture of a book, right? And uh, so uh, and I'm, I have the team of interns. So I told the interns, I said, watch this. I, so I, in, I direct messaged the guy. I said, hey, I, I see you're a lover of books. I think you should uh, read my book. And he responded back, right? And he said, oh, I don't like your pitch. It was too direct. I said, brother, I'm not pitching you, man. I was going to give you my book. <laughs> and uh, I said, when's the last time you had the actual author direct messaging you, you know? So sometimes people, you know, are afraid of, uh, of, of successful people. They're intimidated by successful people, but we're just human beings like everybody else. So I think that the main thing is you have to have the guts. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to reach out. And, uh, and I, 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 there's only a small percentage. I did this uh, Internet Earners uh, speaking engagement with Carlos. We were in Beverly Hills. We got on stage and somebody raised their hands and they said, well, how do I make connections with successful people? I said, offer to work for them for free. Offer them something of value because you already know what value they bring to you. But what can you do for them? And so all of a sudden we got a slew of volunteers wanting to work for us for free. And uh, and, and so, you know, that speaks to 
on where they're at, they're going to be at in life. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. Especially someone like you, you have like 300,000 Instagram followers. I'm sure you get a ton of DMs every day, but you don't want people coming into your DM just asking, hey, teach me your secrets. It's like maybe if someone came into your DM offering some type of value to you, then you'd be more than happy to give them value, obviously, but they know what value they're getting from you. So they shouldn't just be so direct jumping in saying, give, give, give. And I just want to take, you know, without them giving anything. Exactly. So, Carlos, what are the three biggest factors or character traits you think you need to be successful? Uh, well, he stole all my thunder. But no, uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, I read a quote from Mark Twain earlier today that one of our friends who has, who's also a pretty, you know, he's a young entrepreneur. He started a business, uh, an online business that is pretty interesting. And we, you know, have been uh, trying to serve as advisors in, in that type of capacity. And he put the quote up from Mark Twain, which is the secret of getting ahead is getting started. And I think a lot of what happens is, you know, Anthony says it all the time, more is lost by indecision than the wrong decision. Like so you got to kind of understand that you just have to do it. Sometimes it's really as simple as just getting to work. There's too much thinking. I saw something else. I've been seeing it a lot online where there's a there's like a meme or like not a meme it's a it's like a little like a gif like a gif or a video where this kid is hanging on to the to the rope on top of a pool which has the uh, life preservers right the like it, it's floating and he is with his feet up in the air and he's like the guy the kid is like going hysterical and i think with the what the i think the quote on it is something like this is what overthinking looks like because the kid is there's nothing to be afraid of. He's, he's literally hanging on to the life like it's nothing. <laughs> Sometimes people do that. They don't get started on the project. They don't, get, they don't jump into something that, you know, they've been thinking about doing. And they don't decide and they don't execute because they don't even get started. You know, I think a, a big key to our success is that um, we're pretty steadfast in our approach to things. If we're saying we're going to do something, we'll do it. Now, sometimes we don't do it. At the very moment that we want to, because of a lot of other circumstances, when you're busy and you have a lot of things going on, you know, things come up. But generally speaking, we set a goal and we, 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 we accomplish it. Now, we're, we're, the second thing I'd say that, that it really, you know, goes hand in hand with this is we're to-do list oriented people. When we spoke at the event that we met you, I think we talked a little bit about this, but, you know, for us, uh, we like to, we like to treat, um, the to-do list like a Tetris board, right? Where if we don't knock things off, and in the game of Tetris, if you let the shapes just pile on each other and don't put them in the strategic locations and you don't like knock, knock levels down, before you know it, it's game over because it all piles up. So with us, we, we, we treat every day with a new to-do list and we try to knock things off of the list so that if we don't, so that we avoid that game over, you know, uh, and, and being to-do list oriented, has really helped us along the way. I guess the last thing I'd say if we're going with three, you know, you have to be in, and this is the first thing that Anthony said, you have to be an expert in whatever it is you're doing. You have to know your competition and you have to immerse yourself. But you can be self-taught today in today's world because there's so many people that have done it and have documented it. We're living in a world where everything has been documented at this point through, through YouTube and through other channels, even through Zoom meetings and, you know, the fact that we're here, we're on a podcast because you want to share and give some uh, and you want to you want to add value to someone whoever's listening to this. 
And that's because these types of tools exist, but some people don't even use them. They may not even listen to podcasts. They may not go on YouTube. They may not watch. They might, they think they have these big dreams, but their ambition doesn't match their work ethic. Your work ethic has to match your ambition. You got to be able to put the time in to do the reconnaissance work, to do the research, to get ahead so that you can, uh, so that you can become that expert that you need to be. No, I think that's fantastic. I think a lot of people, their dreams die mainly because of them. They kill their own dreams just by not taking action, not, not putting in the, the legwork, honestly. Um, but I love how you said about the to-do list because I know for a fact before you guys even got successful, you guys had a to-do list and you knocked your to-do list out of the park every single day. And you still do that now even though you guys have such massive success. Can you talk about that like from when before you're successful and still doing the same types of things even when you are successful? Because I feel like a lot of people, they slow up. You know? Think about a boxer. Think about a boxer, how he became the heavy, heavyweight champion or, or UFC fighter. You know, you have to do the same things to maintain the, the undefeated title. And you have to even fight even harder because the challenges become greater. Or you have to be a good business person and avoid the a fighter that will beat you and do like 10 paperweight, paper champions before inevitably you'll have to fight that person. So, you know, that's what it's like. You know, part of the is the same, the same regimen, the same discipline, the law of attraction, dream boards, power of positive thinking, the right mindset, the right attitude, the right life goals. Everything will, will come about. As long as you put the work behind it, it'll come about for sure. And um, we sometimes look back at the lists that we've uh, had in the past that were done. Mm-hmm. And we look at those goals and where we had, and we, we, we really could say that just about every goal that we've had, we've been able to accomplish because we saw it through, you know, uh, our goal was to actually do it. You know, there's a difference. You could have a to-do list. You could have a list. You could have a dream board of different things that you want to do, but like, it might be far-fetched in your own mind. Like it might actually not even be a real dream. Like if we put something on a list, it's because we got, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like some people just have a list. Because it's like the cool thing to do. Like, you know, like, I, like I've like i seen it many, many times over where there's people that have conversations with us. And they're like, you know, I'm like, so what's your goal with this whole real estate thing? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, <clears throat> I want to be I want to be a real estate investor. I know I'm doing this this sort of brokering thing right now or whatever it is that they're doing. But I ultimately want to own real estate. And I'm like, you want to be a landlord? Do you know what it takes to be a landlord? Because you want to rent apartments to people. You want to own... You know how much money it takes to actually buy real estate in New York City? I mean, this is, you know, now it depends. There's other ways of buying real estate in other markets where it's easier for barrier of entry. But, like, I'm like, so what are you doing right now to get that? Because, you you know, like, sometimes there people have goals, but it's they don't really have that plan to actually get them done. So you, you got to couple that. Like I said, you can't just have a list. You have to be able to know that that list is going to get done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the heart of the deal, your book, Anthony, you go over how when you were a little kid, you promised to yourself and your mother you were going to buy the Lolly Mansion, the beautiful white mansion, the white cars. And because you saw it from when you were so young, you visualized it. You had the active goal of what you wanted to go to, and you just kept chugging along until you got there. So I think it's, it's fantastic that you're a proponent of what you practice, what you preach, number one. But the fact that it, it works, seeing what you want gives you a clear picture of what you need to get to. And it helps you get there. So I think that's awesome that you, pr- you, you practice what you preach. So I think it's awesome. And a lot of people don't, they don't even do that anymore. So exactly. And then, so you were talking about failure. So 
a lot of people, they're terrified of failure. Now, I know you guys, you guys both look to failure as a positive thing. It's more of an opportunity nowadays because you're going to learn. It's not, it's not a bad thing to fail. I know in school, you learn a lot like failing's bad. You get a 50, you fail. It's not good. But in reality, in business and as an entrepreneur, failing is a positive. It's a positive motion that pushes you forward. What would you tell people that are afraid to fail? They just can't get through their heads that failing is a positive thing. Well, you know, it's something, you know, people ask me all the time. I got to tell you, we don't have a lot of failures under our belt because we think things through and we do the research and we set the right level of expectation. You know, um, if you're trying to start a business and make a billion dollars and if you don't make a billion dollars, is that a failure? No. But if you're exceeding what the rest of your peers are doing, mm-hmm. then you're winning, especially if you're, you're in a difficult industry or difficult market, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have to kind of set the right level of expectation for yourself, but not read, not meeting benchmarks is something that we learn from because we set certain benchmarks, uh, that we don't get to meet by whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, natural, uh, reasons. What do you do to stay positive when you don't hit the benchmarks? You have to be able to kind of look at all the the glory that was achieved. You know, the man with no shoes felt bad for himself until he saw the man with no feet. So it's good to have high standards. It's good to have these these uh, pie in the sky dreams and goals. But you know what they say, right? You shoot for the moon. If you don't reach them, you'll land on the stars. Mm-hmm. So you also have to be able to deal with disappointment. But don't be that disappointed because if you put in the hard work, you're never going to look at something as a failure because things will, you'll realize you'll only fail, not because of your effort, it'll be because of unforeseen circumstances. And if you do enough research, you can kind of mitigate that risk and, and really strategize to see as much of, of the unforeseen as possible and, minimi- and minimize failure and just tur- turn them into learning lessons. Absolutely. And now everyone listening in, I know this from Anthony's book, The Heart of the Deal. But before him and Carlos got into franchising um, Rapid Realty, they were already really successful. But you know what they did before they got into it? They waited a year to go to conferences and conventions and they learned before they got into franchising while they were already successful, which I think you're preaching about the research. A lot of people don't take the time to do that when they already have success. They're just like, fuck it. I'll jump in now. I already got some money. I lose some. I lose some. Fuck it. But I feel like because of the way you angle everything with the the careful and meticulous research, it definitely levels the risk of you going into stuff. And I think a lot of people realize that's what you need to do continually as you grow. All the time. I mean, you have to kind of go back to what we said in our other point, which was do your research. Mm -hmm. Understand. Uh, what's right, what's wrong. The guys that started Uber, you know, they realized that there was another version of Uber before them. It was called Magic Taxi, and it failed. Just because that that failed, they took a look at what the reasons Magic Taxi failed for. So, uh, you know, Carlos, do you have any thoughts? I think someone just like, a lot of people are these entrepreneurs that they just like, they they think they're just going to open a business and it's going to work. And sometimes people acquire existing businesses and then they don't realize how much work it took to get to it, to get it to run the way it was running. And then they, they don't understand why they're failing. And, it, and it's because the previous regime maybe did a better job. But like sometimes uh, what happens is that there's plenty of people that I've observed, observed that they start businesses that they're familiar with. But they think that 
because they were good doing it. Like, for example, there's plenty of chefs that open restaurants, but maybe they're not good. They may, they may not be good enough to run the business side of the restaurant. They're good in the kitchen, but they're not that great in the, you know, money management and in the food ordering or whatever it is that, that it takes to, to run a successful, you know, food business. And that's a mistake. It's a mistake that people make. But that could be corrected because that research that we did, like, we went beyond that. Like, before franchising, we put our money into it, like, to test pilot it as if we, we opened up an actual location, treated it as if it was a franchise, put it, put it through all sorts of exercises, and then put it through hurdles. Like, we didn't make it where it was going to be in a location that was going to automatically do well. We actually put it in a spot that was up the block from a homeless shelter and was like in an up, I guess what you would say in the worst part of an up and coming neighborhood in Brooklyn that is now a great neighborhood. But back then, it wasn't so great. Uh, but ha having put ourselves through that exercise, which took time and money, um, it really proved the model out. So sometimes you got to do that, too. You got to do it. You got to put the time and money into something. Absolutely. So. Guys, you were just talking about failing, and I want to know, both of you, what has been your biggest failure? What did you learn from it? Uh, again, I, I can't say there was any failures. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to be cocky about it, but honestly, like, I can't think of something that Anthony and I have done that, or have not done. Like, here's the other thing. The only time I could, like, there may be things we haven't done yet. That doesn't mean we failed. We haven't even tried to do it yet. But in my head, it's like, that's as close to a failure because I'm like, damn we still haven't done that like we still have to get that done right it's on the list it's like a bucket list like it we'll get there you know um i don't know if we really had it's like a, it's not the greatest question for us because for we don't we feel like whatever we've tried to do we've done i don't know well that's your mindset which i think speaks to how important it is to be positive you know the perspective of things you guys have is just a cut above none you know so I think that's what that goes hand in hand with so i think that's a great answer not having a failure because nothing really is a failure it's all opportunity and lessons Yep. So you guys are big into the real estate game. So what would you say to someone who wants to start out in real estate? Not selling real estate, but owning real estate. What would you tell them? Like, besides buy your book, absolutely get hard of the deal. <laughs> but what would you tell people? How much money do they need to have in the bank? What resource? Like, what can they start doing just to get into owning property? Uh, first things first, I tell them to become a real estate agent. You know, we have a real estate school we can recommend them to. They can make money uh, in real estate, you know. Um, on my Instagram, I promote it. So they would uh, look out for some of the stories. They can swipe up and start taking the online course. Uh, it's in multiple states. So they can get involved and get licensed and work at a real estate agency, any brand, and really learn the ropes, learn the business, uh, go and look at some real estate for free. You know, it's a, it's a business that you're going to be handed keys and information. What's wonderful about working in the real estate industry is that the brokerage is their obligation is to teach, teach, teach. And there's so much out there to learn. So you're going to learn everything from a real estate salesperson's perspective. You're going to work with other buyers because that's I can only teach you what I did to succeed. And that's what it was. I got my real estate license. I was surrounded around investors and developers. And I was picking their brains. I didn't have podcasts. I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have Google. I didn't have any of those things. I had human beings I was asking questions to. And that's really how I got my knowledge. And you could still do that till this very day. You can build relationships with really important people. There's a lot of people that are, are full of crap. They don't own anything. And, but when you're in real estate, you're actually shaking the guy's hand 
who might own a $10 million property or a million dollar property, someone that's shaking your hand that you could probably make 60, 50, or $100,000 commission if you do your job right. So you're meeting a multimillionaire and you can pl- and that and his deal can change your financial situation. What better place to be? It's a great way to start. You're right. Learn the business and then jump into it once you have some money stashed away. Yep. Um, so last question for you guys. Do you think luck has anything to do with your success or any success in general? Carlos, I think that it's part of everything. Like sometimes there's breaks that you get, you know, I don't necessarily call it luck, but like, I think that sometimes you, you know, you know, I attribute it to, it's not, it's so hard to say luck because it's like, you have to be in it to win it, right? You got to be in it. You got to be in the mix. The reason why we know you is because we met you. Uh, I mean, I met you at the event. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Anthony met you. Did you meet him on social media? No, at the event, at the event. Yeah. But, uh, but he had already been communicating before the event. Right. But the point is that's because you were somehow, con- you know, mm-hmm. attending a, a thing that we were speaking at. That I wouldn't call that luck if me and you, if we did business together, if we did a podcast together, mm-hmm. if we worked together in some way. Because sometimes people say, man, I, if, if we end up doing a deal together of some sort that we all make money on, right? Mm-hmm. People could say, man, how lucky was I that I, I met Tony or that I met Carlos and Anthony. I just happened to attend this event, you know, and we hit it off. That wasn't lucky. Mm-hmm. You did, you put effort to be there. Some people are just not, they're not, they're not out there enough, you know? They got to put themselves in the mix. And um, I really think that that, that's, that has more to do with it, is just sort of mixing it up, you know? Now, I agree. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. You're absolutely right. Now, I don't know if you remember Anthony, but at the, the event at Penn State, when I went up to you to get the book signing, what did I actually do or what did I ask you to do? Well, you, we took a picture um, and you asked me. I forgot what you asked me, but I had already... Are we going to get the tracksuit? I had the tracksuit on. No, no, yeah. but I, I didn't ask you to sign the book. You signed something. Just to let the viewers know that, you know, you got to do unordinary things, you know? Remind me. Remind me because I'll remember right off the bat. I had you sign a $100 bill. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's right. You had me sign a $100 bill. But you know what? I was already impressed before that because you had already been reaching out. And, you know, if you read my book, my father had a sailor hat and a shirt that said photo with the parrot and he had a blue and gold macaw. So if anybody knew about branding, it was him, your branding, the track suit, the cigars. So I have a lot, a different level of respect for character based branding. And so, you know, I recognize your character right off the bat and, uh, and respected it because it's something that I, I, I grew up with. Awesome. So thank you, guys. I wanted to welcome you to the Midnight Motivation Mob. Mob stands for made of bosses, and boss stands for built on self-sacrifice. You guys obviously exemplify being a boss, so thank you for being a part of this podcast. I would love to have you guys on again. No, no problem.